This message comes from NPR sponsor Total Wine and More. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find at Total Wine and More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. It's State of Ukraine from NPR News. I'm Steve Inskeep with NPR's best reporting on a war that is changing the world. We will end this episode with news of a baby just born to parents who escaped Bucha, Ukraine. If you do not cry by the end of this 10 minutes, I may have to do it for you. First, we have news of votes that Russia lost today. The UN General Assembly voted to suspend Russia from the UN Human Rights Council. The U.S. Senate today voted unanimously against Russia, twice. Senators voted 100 to nothing to suspend normal trade relations, and again 100 to nothing to ban Russian oil imports, which President Biden had already done. The wing of the Republican Party that has spoken admiringly of Vladimir Putin was not heard on the Senate floor today. Even the party's loudest voice has updated his opinion today. In an earlier phase of the crisis, Donald Trump called Putin savvy, and said one of his pre-invasion moves was, quote, genius. But he now tells the Washington Post that Putin, quote, overplayed his hand by invading. Leaders of the Western Alliance held meetings today at NATO headquarters in Brussels, and they had a visit from Ukraine's foreign minister. My agenda is very simple. It has only three items on it. It's weapons, weapons, and weapons. That was Dmitry Kuleba before the meetings, and here he is afterward. I was pleased to hear today a growing understanding about allies of the fact that Ukraine is fighting not only for itself, but also for them. Our own Michelle Kellerman was in Brussels and spoke afterward with Leila Fadel. Did the Ukrainian foreign minister get what he wanted out of these meetings today? Well, he was definitely the star guest here at NATO headquarters. I mean, foreign ministers crowded around him, giving him hugs and handshakes. Um, Secretary of State Antony Blinken said there was a tremendous sense of solidarity for Ukraine against Russia's aggression. Blinken met separately with Kuleba after the Ukrainian foreign minister had those meetings with NATO and G7 counterparts. And they're all talking about ways to continue to support Ukraine, to build on sanctions, to put more pressure on Russia. So there were a lot of strong words of encouragement here. And what about those weapons, weapons, weapons? Right. Uh, I mean, Kuleba says he's cautiously optimistic about that. He said that he came with very specific asks and very specific timelines, and he found that the Allies understood the needs, that he, he's talking about heavy weapons, air defenses, more missiles. The main thing, though, is the timeline. He said he's... Um, You know, that Ukraine needs these in in days, not weeks. Hmm. Uh, There's just a lot of concern that as Russian troops leave areas uh, near Kiev, that they're regrouping to try to take more territory in eastern Ukraine. And Kuleba says his goal is to prevent more buchas. That's the the Kiev suburb where there have been so many reports of it of Russian atrocities. He right. got he got really emotional talking about someone he knows who had been repeatedly raped there. He mm. said he even accused Russian soldiers of raping children, and he fears the situation could be worse in other parts of Ukraine. So very dramatic testimony from him. The Ukrainians also want to see more sanctions on Russia. Where does that stand? 
Yeah, there were more sanctions announced this week, both here in Brussels and in Washington. But Kuleba is sounding frustrated by the pace of that as well. He said it shouldn't take um, more civilians dying and horrifying images like what we are seeing in Bucha to put in place tougher measures um, against Russia. What he wants is an oil and gas embargo on Russia. Uh, the Europeans are still heavily dependent on Russian energy, and it's going to take some time to move away from that dependency. But they say they are moving in that direction, and they're determined to make Putin pay a price for invading Ukraine. So we've talked about sanctions and military aid, but what about diplomacy? Well, well, the sanctions and military aid are designed to help strengthen Ukraine's hand at the negotiating table with Russia. Um, the U.S. has been pretty skeptical about diplomacy, um, and they want to. Ma- the U.S. wants to make sure that, however, this war ends, there are going to be long-term consequences for Russia's actions. And um, Kuleba, you know, also talked about how difficult it is to talk with the Russians now, given these atrocities that are going on. Mm-hmm. But he said, to prevent more buchas, we're going to have to talk. So that was his message uh, here at NATO headquarters. NPR diplomatic correspondent Michelle Kellerman joining us from Brussels. Thank you so much for your reporting. Thank you. Now we have a story of what to expect when you're expecting in the middle of a war. NPR's Alyssa Nadworny visited a maternity hospital in Kiev. On the second floor in a room at the end of a long hallway, I find Alina and her husband Marco. She's in a hospital gown in a chair next to the bed. Marco is pacing at the foot of that bed. I want to give birth right now. Right now, she says. It's been a long road to get to this moment, this hospital room. Alina and her husband escaped from Bucha, where so much devastation happened. They hid in the basement for that first week, then a volunteer helped them leave. Everything was destroyed, Alina says. She says she closed her eyes when she walked to the car. She didn't want to see the horror. She was thinking of the baby, of trying to stay calm. She remembers feeling stressed and scared. They drove from Bucha to Irpin but it wasn't safe there either. Russian forces had advanced and trapped them. They slept in a church. Alina says members of the military helped them walk across the rubble of a blown-up bridge, like so many others. I'm grateful to God that we were able to flee, she says. Finally, in Kyiv, they've spent the last two weeks living in the basement of her husband's office. It's been really hard, she says, her eyes welling up with tears. Her husband, Marco, steps in. Let's finish the interview, he says. She needs to relax. We've seen uh, complications, hypertension. I've seen that these complications were influenced on stress. Andrei Valensky is a trained pediatrician. Now he's the director of this maternity hospital in Kyiv. I think it's very difficult uh, times for families, for mothers and uh, for babies. Most of the women they've treated here have come from other regions. Dangerous uh, district, for example, Bucher, Pengostomer, Borodyanka. 
A lot of terrible stories. They've endured so much, he says. Тримати на високому рівні, щоб вони не відчували, що We've been doing our best here, he says, to make them forget there is a war behind the windows. He pauses and starts to cry. He apologizes. He hasn't really cried yet from all of it. He switches back to English for a final thought. I think that uh, this situation uh, shows us that uh, life uh, is more strong than death. Valensky takes us down to the shelter below the hospital. They've set up an entire wing down below. It's, it's our, our intensive care department for women. Around the corner is the intensive care area for babies. Uh, before war, it was a cafeteria for staff. The oxygen is now next to the coffee machine. The walls are painted with vegetables and fruit. Back up in the lobby, we find Valentina holding her three-day-old granddaughter, Katya. Valentina's daughter, who just gave birth, is at home, recovering. The baby is back today for a checkup. She says little, innocent Katya. She represents hope amid all this news of death. She tells me her husband, Katya's grandfather, planted two apple trees in the yard in honor of her birth. She hopes to eat the fruit one day with her. She's the future. I want peace in Ukraine for her, she says. That's our colleague Alyssa Nedwerny in Kyiv, Ukraine. And we have an update on her story. At the beginning, we met Alina and Marco, who escaped Bucha and were waiting for the baby. Alina has since given birth, and the healthy girl's name is Diana. Darn it. Here's her first interview. <laughs> and this is State of Ukraine, NPR's best reporting on a war that's changing the world. Think of it as a breaking news live blog for your ear. Nina Kravinsky produced, and Kelly Dickens edited this episode. I'm Stephen Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXLLearning.com. We know you care about what you watch, what you read, and what you listen to. NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast is with you four days a week to make sure that time is well spent. The latest, greatest shows, books, music, and movies, it's all on the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. Listen tonight. 